Greetings and welcome back to episode number 59 of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Today, I get to talk to Lisette Calve of Influence with Impact. We did her branding a few years ago now, but we had such a great conversation from the brand side and the influencer side about creating an authentic presence online and connecting with your audience and all of the great things that it can do for you when you influence with impact. Enjoy the episode, dive in, and let us know what you think by the end. Kiss my aesthetic branding marketing entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag worthy brands through visual identity design and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. So enjoy the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I have Lisette today. Hi, Lisette. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, we are so happy to have you back. Since the last time we had you on the podcast, of course, Influence with Impact, you have Lisette Calve. Um, But for someone who doesn't follow you or doesn't know who you are yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got started? Yeah, so my name is Lisette, and my mission is really to just help influencers and people of influence build a brand and build a brand that emphasizes human connection, which is very important to me. Of course, you hear the word influencer, you think all things social media, which is things I have experience with. I started in the PR and advertising space and along the way, kind of carved my little way into influencer marketing, building a lot of influencer marketing programs at major agencies. And then one day decided, why the heck am I not doing this myself at my own company? Um, But what's really fun is that I was a creator this whole time. So kind of having that duality of being brand, being marketer, and being a creator, I was able to have both sides of the industry. So I use all that today to help the people I serve. Love it. I love that you had the aha moment of like, wait a second, why am I not doing this for myself? Because that's how the podcast came to exist. I've told this story a few times, but like I had gone to lunch with a friend of mine And he wanted to break into a new industry. And he goes, I just really want a reason to reach out to the people that, you know, I'm interested in and who are doing cool things. And, and I said, yeah, like, why don't you make like a podcast or just give it some like brackets, right? Put a parenthesis around it that says, okay, now I have like this modality to go talk to cool people. And then I walked away from that conversation. I was like, man, why am I not doing this? Because it's so true. You're so centered with your business as well around like community and creating community around your idea and the influence aspect. But let's even back it up towards the beginning, because I think you have a really interesting story that kind of of how you got to that, that influencer aspect and what in the industry has changed since you started. Because I mean, social media moves so, 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 so lightning fast. So give us kind of a snapshot of what it looks like at the beginning versus now. At the beginning, I always like to explain is I definitely have that mentality. I'm Latina of like, you study this, you do this, and that's all you're doing for the rest of your life. And my parents told me I had to do that. So I studied public relations, worked at a public relations agency. I was doing media. I was doing publicity. So for those who aren't familiar, you're essentially working with journalists all the time, trying to get them to cover your client's story. And then along the way, I remember in 2012, we were working with bloggers a lot and mom bloggers were the it thing and Party City was a client. And I remember they invested so much time and resources on this blogging industry. And it was the first time that I realized, holy cow, there's normal people out there who are essentially now becoming just as important as the journalists that we were working with. 
So yet we hadn't gotten to the point of really pay, none of that. It was just, hey, blogger, will you cover my brand? Because their voice actually mattered way more than the cool, flashy newspapers. So that was a big aha moment. Then, of course, being the token millennial most places I was working at, I had that experience with social media and people would tell me, could you incorporate some sort of social media strategy in what we're doing? But remember, not really a social strategist, more so this content strategist. And how can our brands tell stories through social? What platforms were you working on at the time? Not to cut you off. Oh, gosh, Facebook. Exactly, I mean, Facebook right? was the thing. Facebook pages. And I remember, you know, it was so easy to grow back then also. And Facebook pages likes, you could run ads to get more likes. That doesn't even exist anymore. And then it also, I think step two was from Facebook, we went straight to YouTube. What a change from static posts to now working with people who had really awesome video production. And I remember vividly that working with YouTubers, and this is around 2015, was the first time that I actually paid someone really good money to talk about my client. And the reason that we kind of justified it was the production that goes behind making a YouTube video. And it was kind of the seed thinking of, wait, we have to pay the blogger who's also talking about us, the XYZ other person who's talking about us because YouTube isn't the only hard thing to do. It's all hard. Mm -hmm. So after that, I think people started getting more comfortable paying creators. We still didn't have enough information to even have as close to an industry standard as we have it today. So it was a big question mark around the entire industry and so much secrecy and lack of transparency not just as a creator, because I had that experience, but even brand side, we didn't tell each other what was happening with our strategy. So fast forward, I think the reason why the industry started moving toward more transparency is because on both sides, you know, brands, as much as we'd love to hate on brands, some of them didn't budget because they didn't know and they mm-hmm. wanted to. Mm-hmm. The creators speaking about this is how much working with me costs, people now started budgeting for them. Brands started saying, we got to have our money outlined for that person. So that was really nice. And I think the other thing that kind of changed across the industry over the years was much more focus on the micro influencer and authenticity engagement over anything. And I always attribute that change to the fact that I would say 2018, 19 was that peak moment for the textbook influencer, you know, the pretty photos on Instagram and what we thought being an influencer needed to be. But with that came a lot of fraudulent activity. So a lot of people buying likes, buying followers, and brands eventually started to notice and they thought, whoa, I'm working with someone who has a million followers and someone with 10,000 followers is getting me the same results. Why am I paying so much for this other person? So it really became about shifting resources to authentic communities. And then all that together, you know, when I started working with influencers doing business strategy and as a business coach, I realized it really is not even about social media growth. It's so much about community growth and the evolution to day in 2022 is really more about influencers becoming their own business owners. Because as much as I say, you know, you're, you're running a business on your own, there's a little shift that has to happen with you really becoming a business owner. And it's that vision of stepping away from me to the many and building teams and new revenue streams. I know you've worked with some people mm-hmm. who are such good examples of this. So I'm really excited to see how it's become this little blog to totally entrepreneurs, you know? 
It's insane the revolution that social media has had on marketing, right? And I think for someone who's really back to basics or really is not in the industry speak like we are, it can be super, super overwhelming and really kind of confusing if you don't have a good understanding of that that history timeline, right? I'm a big history person. So yeah. again, we're, we're going Facebook, Facebook to YouTube, YouTube. I love that YouTube was there kind of even before Instagram in the capacity that we know it. Then Instagram. At what point did you make your own account for Lisette Calf? I actually made my own account in college. So I had my account and I remember that it was purely for research and I was just blogging about my life, my day, because I wanted to grow a community. But at the end of the day, I didn't really know how to grow a community at the time. I was just posting because it was fun. And I think a lot of creators go through that journey. It starts off as a hobby. You think, okay, let me just do this cool thing. It's not really, I'm going to go and make money tomorrow. It's I'm just going to start this as a hobby. And it wasn't up until 2016 when I started to take it a little bit more seriously. So I realized, because at that point, you know, we start paying creators and I realized, what the heck? I want to get paid too. So I started then taking it a little bit more seriously, more of that strategic lens behind what I was doing. But what's so interesting is that even back then, it's not what it is today because I remember that my strategy was I have to do this for the algorithm, post this type of photo, make sure I do this because that person did it and the engagement groups and the this and the that and all the tactics and all those little things that you think you're supposed to do. But I was ignoring the fact that I had no clarity on what the heck I was even providing. I had no community, just a bunch of people who liked my stuff, but no one really trusted or like really connected with me. They just thought my content was cool. And that's not what builds a business. And I remember thinking, I want to make more money working with brands and brands would hire me and I would get paid a couple hundred bucks, but I wasn't making the thousands of bucks that people were talking about. And it was because I didn't really move brands that I was working with. They loved my content. I remember I would always get hired people saying, we love your photography because I had photography as a hobby, but there was no actual community engagement they were getting out of it. So that's when I realized I really have to shift things and vividly remember, luckily, because this was covered and went viral. But in 2018, I did a series of posts basically saying, I feel like the person I've been for these last few years is not really me. It's just a collection of other people and trying to do what everyone else told me I should be doing. I talked about money. I talked about personal branding, my story, my journey. And one topic went viral, which was the topic about debt. And I wasn't in any way a financial blogger and not a financial expert myself, though I love a good spreadsheet. But I think that went viral because people were just ready to almost expose the influencer community. You know, like you see, it's all a lie. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just a young, dumb person. And (laughs) 2018 was me telling my story. So you don't have to be another dumb person. But what was funny about that, of course, viral moment, that's fun. But the community I built from that moment of starting to open up, of starting to have more transparent conversations is black and white when you really compare it to who I was online before. It's such a crazy life cycle too, because I think for Tamir, my journey with yours is like, I always had this veil of like, oh, I'm doing it for my business because I wasn't so concerned about making it me the individual. And my biggest compliment to me in my first year of doing my design work 
was somebody saying, oh, you made that? I had no idea. It's so good. And I thought that was the highest compliment because I felt so young to be charging people at 20, 21, 22 years old to be charging people money for graphic design work because I didn't have agency experience. I didn't know what I was doing for the most part. And to me, that was like the highest compliment. Whereas now that script is totally flipped. Like people want to work with me for who I am and for my style and for my skills. And the work is a reflection of my values. It's not so much in the company, of course, but there's that blend. It's a little bit better where the more I leaned into, these are the things I love. These are the colors I love. This is the style I love. This is my communication. This is my dog. Like you get that community feeling of people wanting to relate to you on that level. Do you agree? I agree. And what's crazy is, you know, having worked with you, I would have never Googled graphic designer. Mm-hmm. I followed a bunch of graphic designers and branding people. And the person I vibed with the most was the person I hired. And that's the reality of social media. And I think a lot of people spend too much time trying to become the go-to expert and not enough time just telling us who they are. Because at the end of the day, people buy from people. Yeah. And showing. And showing what you can do. I think that for me, the biggest transformation in 2020 was really, and really end of 2019 into 2020 was posting my work on TikTok and being able to show like, here's the transformation that I I was able to do for someone. And when you can show someone what you know and show somebody how you do something, you do instill that trust and you instill that community. But let's talk about influence with impact. Tell me about how the idea came about. We did the branding together, of course. It's still one of my favorite projects because there's so many little Easter eggs in it. I know you're a Taylor Swift fan. So there's little Easter eggs of like how this is a nod to that and we have Instagram influence and then there's all these little things. But tell me about like how the idea came about and how you knew you were ready to invest in branding because that is a big step too. Yeah. Well, funny enough, I keep the stickers around everywhere. I'm obsessed with my logo. And what's crazy is that I, and I'm sure you get this a lot. So many business owners don't feel ready until they have the logo or the branding. I kind of had a different way in where I realized pretty early that that was holding me back. And I just thought, screw it. I'm going to launch without the perfect branding, without the perfect colors. Because if you asked me to, I would spend 300 years on my perfect colors. And Influence with Impact actually started, I'll backtrack, in 2018 when I started having these transparent conversations online, I realized that I loved talking about life and helping people just see their own power and tell their own story. So I went and got a life coaching certification because I had that moment of like, I just want to leave corporate America and go life coach people. I did that, invested money in that, realized I hated it. So I actually didn't love the life coaching aspect of things. I was the youngest person in the room. Everyone was, you know, having their second chapter of life. And I was the annoying millennial asking, how am I going to implement this into any type of work? But flash forward, I ended up realizing that what I did like about coaching is the idea of helping someone come up with their own solution. So how could I apply that to business strategy and personal branding, which is what I was doing, a lot of storytelling. So I ended up taking that concept and testing it. So in 2019, hired my first or secured my first client who hired me, of course, for 50 bucks, just a friend who I said, I really would love to just build my business. Can I test this with you? Amazing. You know, I look back and I used to send an email with, hey, let me know what times you're available to me. And now it's a whole Calendly workflow automated 
But that that was three years ago, you know? So it was so fun to kind of see how I gave myself the room to experiment. And then I was still working my nine to five. So it was a side hustle for a minute. It wasn't actually called Influence with Impact. It was just my LLC. Again, no name, just started testing the actual service. And then by the end of 2019, I decided I can do this. I can freelance and do some consulting and I can hire people or people will hire me as a coach. So I quit my job. Of course, 2020 rolled around and I was not expecting my first year of not working in corporate world that we would have a panini, Mm -hmm. but the panini arrived and I decided that this is going to be a big challenge, but if I could experiment then, this is the perfect time to keep experimenting. So the way that I kind of started to compartmentalize my business was as little mini departments because the departments could live on their own, right? The services I was doing were also unique from one another, though they were in the same industry. So similar to how you have branding, but also social media management, they're still hiring you for your perspective, but different types of people may come to you. So this was my solve for, I still want to do consulting. I still want to coach influencers, but I still want to produce my own content as a content creator. So we had our content studio, right? And all these three things, I divvied them up myself being my own solo business owner. It was just me, myself, and I, right? A lot of but you work. have to start treating your business like the business you want to be. So if I wanted to be a half a million dollar business, I better start acting like a half a million dollar business, even if it's just me. So in that moment of divvying up things into departments, I realized, okay, what do they all have in common? And I was really always emphasizing impact, right? So I want brands to hire the right influencers who actually can impact the message they want to give. I actually want to create influencers who don't just influence, but they influence with impact and with intention. And I kept saying those things and I would play around with the idea of influence, impact, influence, impact. And what's crazy is it was first influence to impact because I thought about the journey someone goes through of, oh, I'm just an influencer. And then I thought, no, no, you can be an impactful person with influence. But flash forward, this is just a hot tip every business owner needs to do. Influence to impact was trademarked. So I had to change it to influence with impact. And I think that happened when we were working together. I was like, Mm -hmm. it's with now. (laughs) It's with, we have to change it. Yeah. And it it worked out for the better, right? Like now we've got this whole identity and I love that you did that like word map of every experience. I think entrepreneurs feel really limited, especially like multi-passionate entrepreneurs, that kind of key term, right? Where it's like, I have this I'm interested in, this I'm interested in, this I'm interested in. I did the same thing. Like I packaged myself, oh, I'll do your packaging design and your merch and your social and your branding and your website and your this. And whoa, like for me, that there were so many things there. That's number one, that's a mountain of work for one person as you experienced, and number two, it doesn't, it didn't allow me to like get really specialized at what is the actual value I'm providing, right? Like what is that? And now, like you said, people are coming to work with myself and my team because of our unique take on it, or they've seen the, the case studies, they've seen the project work and they're like, okay, yes, this is what I want. But that comes after time. And I think mm-hmm. people are really hesitant to launch, like you said, when they don't have the perfect logo or the perfect colors or the perfect offerings. But so much of this is just like throwing spaghetti to the wall and seeing what sticks. And it's like, wow, yeah. I liked that. I didn't like that. I liked that. I really didn't like that. And then you kind of find your way, find your course anyway. Exactly. And I think so many people discover entrepreneurs or business owners at their peak. You yes. wouldn't have discovered me when I was experimenting because I wasn't 
doing it as much as I am now. So you have to realize you probably found someone at their day 1,000, 10,000, not their day zero. And their day zero probably look like throwing spaghetti against the wall. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. I'm on year eight. I go live on TikTok or Instagram and I get people who are like, is this your job? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> like I've been doing this for eight years. It is my job. I'm doing it right now. You're watching me do my work right now. And that's always so funny because I think that the assumption is like, also, if you are that candid, easygoing, like happy to pull back the curtain kind of person, which I think we both are, like I yeah. love sharing things with people that somehow that feels like that's like a newbie move. Like that someone who's established yeah. wouldn't do that. What yeah. are your thoughts on that? It's so interesting. I was talking to my friends about this, how they're with pay transparency and financial transparency has come a lot of people sharing, I made this much money in my business mm-hmm, this month. Mm-hmm. We're not sharing enough of the, and two years ago, I made $0. Or and this is what my, it costs to run that business. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. my biggest expense is my people. Me I spend too. way more than what I earned, you know, like what I earned two years ago on just people today, um, which of course, it's not to say, I think people are afraid of being too transparent because they don't want to feel like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. Am I not making enough profit? But no, I think people just want to know all of it, the ins and outs. Yeah. And I think that the way that you, in my opinion, the best way to affect change is to like lead by example and take the take an opportunity, right? So when I, same, similar to you, 2020 hits, I'm like, well, I guess I'm not traveling for a while. I guess <laughs> I'll build my team. And I really focused on building a team of of contractors. Like no one's a full-time employee except for me, um, of my own business and everybody else is a contractor. But I like hand selected the people that I thought were super uber, uber talented at the job. And I didn't really care what was on their CV. I just thought that they were like, had the hunger, they had the, the like desire to learn. They, we've been friends. We'd been friends on Instagram. Maybe they were in my Facebook group. They were kind of circling around my circles anyway, and kind of pitched them with the idea of like, Hey, let's collaborate. And now on our team calls, we always kick off with like, what's everyone's happies and crappies. And what's something that's going on outside of MKW creative co. How are you, how can I help you be successful in another capacity? Because yeah, like that, of rising tide lifts all boats scenario is so exciting. This year we rolled out, I made a huge handbook. I think you saw it when I posted it on my Instagram uh, stories. Obsessed, waiting for you to drop the template. I know, um. it's, it's coming, it's coming. I swear it's coming. Um, it's huge, but it's crazy when I started writing that, that it ended up as 40 pages long. So I was like, I can't believe I had all of this in my brain. Yeah. I can't believe I had all of this in my brain. And it was a collection of like, here are the standard operating procedures. Here's the org chart. I just wrote out my day-to-day tasks that all the things I'm responsible for. I'm like, holy crap. But that level of transparency for everyone on our team and any new person that we onboard, that they know the jobs that everybody else is doing. And you're going to love this. I rolled out like a bonus structure. So (gasps) if we hit certain benchmarks as a contractor, they can earn bonus money on top of their base pay. Especially for our social clients, they're graded on a rubric. If they knock it out of the out of the park on their rubric, they're eligible for a bonus because it's incentivizing everyone to work better and work smarter and make more money. Like if we're crushing it for my clients, I want to pay everybody more. I'm not going to sit here yeah. on my pile of money and be like, "Okay, here's your share." No, like yeah. if we're killing it, like more to go around. I don't know. I yeah. think that that's where where independent contractor where this gig economy is going. Do you think so? Yeah, I agree. And what's funny, I just had a conversation with the person who is full-time on my team 
And I was talking to a friend, I mean, talking to a friend 24-7 because you need peers, okay? So just so we're having this combo, go have them. And I was saying, man, I want to be super transparent with this person about how much revenue we're generating and how they impact the revenue. But I'm a little scared. And she's like, what are you afraid of? And I was like, I don't know. I guess it's because no one did that for me. And maybe I'm just so internalized and thinking that this needs to be hush hush. But actually having the conversation with her flash forward, I realized that she got so excited. I said, this is the goal I want to hit. If we hit that goal, bonuses and also just like more people, you know, she wants to develop her leadership skills. Like you said, what else do you want to do? Be a leader. Great. I want to hire more people. Let's find a way to get our business there. So I think having open, transparent conversations also with your teams is so critical. We just had this conversation with Michelle of Same Skin, where I kind of told her, we're loving the brand. It looks amazing. The social is popping off. And I looked at her and I said, we love this idea so much. How do we help you make money at it? Because you're putting in so much resources, time, energy, thought, consideration, networking. Like She's putting so much of herself into this brand. I was like, Michelle, I want you to actually like be ha- have this as a, a job if that's what you want. And like, how do we help you get there conversation? And I think that that like hit a lot of light bulbs for us. Like it definitely helped us drive the content in a different way coming into this year that is headed towards those bigger goals. So I think having that conversation authentically, like with yourself and the people on your team, but also with the clients that you help can only mm-hmm. help you do your job better. Yeah. A hundred percent. Right. Today's episode is brought to you by the number one Canva mock-up you're going to buy all year, which are my Canva editable social profile mock-ups. Building a bragworthy brand for your clients means showing them exactly how you envision their visuals scaling from platform to platform. So I've created nine realistic Canva templates that you can use as mock-ups in your brand design or social media presentation for things like social media pitches, marketing game plans, brand design, the best part totally editable in Canva. We've got Instagram, we've got Facebook, we've got TikTok, we have LinkedIn, Pinterest. There's nine of them in here for a whopping $27, which means that they're only $3 per template. It's going to save you oodles of time and it's going to be so professional and look so wonderful to your client to really give them the idea of how you see their brand coming to life. To take advantage of this, hit the link in today's show notes or go ahead and search Canva mockups on mkwcreative.co. Search Canva mockups on mkwcreative.co. Good luck. Enjoy. I do have to ask our new pseudo like tagline of the new year is that we are only going to work with brag worthy brands. This is our ding, like our little sparkling sounds. Um, brag worthy for us is an acronym. It stands for buildable brand assets, real and relatable, authentic audience and growth mindset. So those are the four categories they got a ding, ding, ding hit. And if it's a winner, then they're a great project for us, right? So in your mind, what do you say makes or breaks a brand that is brag worthy? I think it's the intention behind what you're doing. Because again, anyone can make the same exact product category, the same potential idea, unless it's something super innovative, but the intention for why you made it, who you made it for, and even the story behind why you made that product is going to be what sets you apart. And I think that's what makes it bragworthy. Even thinking about me as a consumer, what are the things around me that I think are bragworthy? I've got this journal 
I can get a notebook from Target and it's the same thing, but this journal's bragworthy because there's an intention behind it. It's five minutes a day of gratitude. So I'm going to brag about it to all my friends. It's really about finding that big reason and intention. Yeah. And I think it goes to the brand side as well, right? Like what makes your brand bragworthy? What would make somebody stop their day and tell someone about what you've got going on or share, you know, the products with their friends or families or buy it someone for their birthday? Like what are those little things? Because oftentimes they're more than just the features of the product. And it's more about the way that it makes us feel or how we then are more involved in that community, right? Like what does posting about your favorite coffee shop say about you? Or what does posting about your vacation say about you? Because we do all have this digital persona, right? Yeah. It's a crazy conversation. But I do want to kind of balance the you've got the brand side, you've got the influencer side. We talked a little bit about how there's a lot of misinformation out there. And a lot of creators take opportunities to like or they get confused by opportunities that present themselves online, like the get rich quick, or you have to hit 10K months, or you're not successful until you hit six figures. These, these are kind of the phrases circling around, right? Yeah. And then from the brand side, a lot of brands jump into partnerships almost too soon, or they don't have yeah. the budget, or they don't understand that you have to craft a budget, or they don't understand, they don't have the goals, and then they've spent a bunch of money on an influencer campaign that's not converting. So what would you give as like your best advice for both the creatives, creators, and the brands that want to embark on like a collaborative marketing campaign. I know that's a, a huge topic. We could make a whole other podcast episode about that. Yeah, 2.0. But I think the common link is finding the right partner and the right fit. I know that sounds really general, but I'll break it down. I would say as an influencer, as a creator, if you just work with anybody because they're cutting you a check, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to lose trust with your community. But when you work with the right brands that align with your values, the type of content you're making, maybe the campaign is like really fun for the type of content that you're making. People are going to be excited about it. And you potentially now have a long-term client that you can go back to because again, your community is excited. You're going to drive results. They're going to love you for it. And then on the brand side, the biggest mistake people make, especially new brands coming into influencer marketing, it's not even not having the budget. It's like you said, spending the budget on the wrong person, mm -hmm. looking at the vanity metrics. This person has a lot of followers, so I want them to talk about me. But at the end of the day, maybe they didn't have the trust. Maybe they weren't the right person with the trust for someone like your brand. And the other thing, if you don't have budget, know that relationship capital exists. You don't have to go and spend money on an influencer, you know, transactionally. You can build relationships with them over time the same way you'd make them with your customers, the same way you'd make them with other strategic partners that you maybe want to build relationships with. And then of course, if they love you enough organically, it's almost like that's their editorial eye saying, I'm going to talk about this brand because I love them. They're brag worthy. So yep. I'm going to brag about them because they've been really great for me and my life. And then you build a relationship from there. You had some really good advice in your stories the other day about this of saying, you know, this is what it looks like to write an influencer email that actually gets a response from a brand. Can you tell us what that that little uh, story series was about? Because I think it was really insightful. Oh, yes. So it was about the one thing that really sets people apart is the way you close your emails when it comes to influencer marketing. So if you're a creator or a person of influence who wants to have revenue working with brands, what everyone is doing is saying, this is who I am. Can we work together? Can you pay me? What not enough people are doing and the best way to build the relationship is to say, 
How can I support you? What are you working on right now? How can I fit into your marketing plans? Let's get on the phone and talk about how I can bring you value. You don't actually know what a brand needs from you as a creator without talking to them about their needs, about their vision, their values. So the best thing you can do is ask to connect. I know getting on a phone call sounds scary, especially if you're Gen Z and listening. You've never heard of a phone call, but (laughs) it is so important in building relationships. And even if they say, no, I don't have the time for it because yes, there may be a lot of people who simply don't have the time. They still feel like you want to build the relationship and they will keep you in mind because it's just kind of you to do that. And I've done this plenty of times. And I think something that we don't talk enough about too is that timeline of saying something like this to a brand and then cutting me a check. It could be six months to a year. And it's that first point of conversation is just me saying, hey, what's up? I exist. I want to get to know you. It takes time to get to know them. It takes time to continue building. And then eventually when there's a fit, we're going to work together. That's the same thing that happens with the brand design process. I have someone that submits their whole project, gets on my contact calendar, wants a 15 minute call. And that 15 minute discovery call usually tells me everything I need to know about where they are and how serious they are about moving forward. Because the best thing, and I tell this to my Facebook group and on my stories all the time, the best thing you can do on one of those discovery calls is like, let them talk first. Because if they can come at you and say, I've been on every page of your website. I love this project. So-and-so referred me. This is my business. These are my goals. This is when I want to get started. I think you're the right person for the job. I'm like, okay, great. Slam dunk. If you get them on the discovery call and they tell you, well, when I was five, and it's a full monologue, I'm like, oh goodness gracious. Okay. How are we going to get this back on track? Right? What are your tips or do you follow a script when you're on those discovery calls with brands? I actually always self-script the things that I want to talk about because when you get on the phone, everything's so fluid that you may forget what you even got on the phone for, exactly how you're saying. I 100% always say, pick it back to the person you're trying to get on the phone with. So in this exact scenario, I would let the brand tell me, tell me a little bit about what you've got going on. How do you work with influencers? I'm just trying to get to know them. And then you have to do your due diligence on the background, take mental or physical note. And then I really love, this is a coaching tip kind of repeating back what someone tells me Uh and telling people why I can help them with that. But when you use your potential client's own language, it changes the game. Now they feel like you were listening. Now they feel like you get them and you probably do. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me the way we work with influencers is through ambassadorships. Oh, that's awesome. I heard you say ambassadorships. That reminds me of long-term partners I've had. You know, I've worked with some brands where I've been able to do multiple posts and this is what it looked like. I would love to curate something like that for you. So really knowing what I want to get across, but using them as a way to guide that conversation. Yeah. I think that that is so key. And that's just a a great sales tip in general and not in a manipulative way, but it's a way of making sure that the person who you're talking to like you said, feels seen, feels heard, feels understood, but also that that parroting back to them is such a great way of proving like, yes, I heard what you said. Yes, I understood what you said. And now here's actually the solution to the thing that you, you know, you're looking for help with. We do this in our brand design projects as well. Um, you know, from sending the brand presentation video yeah. where we take those words, the buzzwords from the questionnaire where we talked about what you were looking for. And then when we, when we present the logo, we pull those words like copy paste right into the logo design and say, and this element here is touching on this. And this element here is giving us that like excited, fun, retro feeling. It's also throwback, but it's also modern. Like we want to use all that terminology as a proof of work of our concept and why it's a good fit. 
Yeah. So same exactly. for you, right? Exactly. And I think it also just makes you a better listener because yeah. you want to make sure you're catching what that person is saying. And what they'll be impressed with then is how did you make it relevant to them again? You know, because it, it, it's one thing to say, I heard what you said dot, 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 dot. Uh-huh. It's another to say, I heard what you said. So here's what I believe would be the best mm-hmm. way forward. I think I learned this like de facto by listening to my mom do discovery calls. My mom's an interior designer and she always starts her call, her discovery calls with like, yeah, so tell me a little bit more about your project. And then they would talk and she goes, so it sounds like you're looking for X, Y, Z. And then she'd say, here's a little bit about how we work. Does that sound like that's a good fit for you? Like there's such, I can like hear my mom's voice in my head I love when this. I'm doing those, right? It's crazy. But it's also something that like people don't really pick up naturally. Yeah, no, exactly. Especially if you're sales adverse, which I am. So for me to become a business owner, no, you do not need to master sales, but there's a sales process. So you kind of have to understand how to build these types of relationships with people. And every business is in the business of helping people. Like it's people to people at the end of the day, like whether you're selling a product, a service, a software and anything, everyone's trying to make someone's life better, faster, easier, simpler, pursuit of pleasure, avoidance of pain. It's like, mm-hmm. so if you get it all the way down to that and solve pain points for people, then you're on a good track. Yeah. I actually right? remember some of the best advice I heard, and I wish I remember who said it, but it was a random panel. And this woman said, uh, the best way to sell something to someone is to think about what they're asking for as a birthday wish when they're blowing out the candles, because oh, you're that. essentially getting to someone's like deepest core desire and so much unravels from that. Right. So- yeah. Okay. So walk us through then, because you're so knowledgeable, as we know, um, walk us through all of the offerings that fit under the Lizette Calve and the and the Influence with Impact umbrellas, starting from your free opportunities, free assets, free resources, your, your social media is the first thing that comes to mind for me, all the way up to your highest paid offer. Do you think you could do all of that? I can. This yeah. is actually a really fun challenge. Isn't it? So something I always like to also point out is for a while it was Lisette Calve because me, the personal brand, establishing myself as an expert, but now influence with impact. And one of the big reasons why we invested in branding was to remove myself from being the mm-hmm. reason for business. Now it's greater than myself. And that's where you open up room for a team. So I really have loved that journey. I would say people usually come through me, the personal brand and the free content. Like you said, my social channel, not to brag, but it's It's a free resource library. You could essentially binge my content and do this for yourself because I want that. And I always tell people, if people can't get transformation from your free content, they're never going to hire you. Mm -hmm. And I think there's actually a lot of people who are always afraid of that and saying, well, I don't want to give up all my information but you don't have to. And also Mm -hmm. there's probably way more information to give at any point, right? So that's where you go. I do have a few freebies and I think this is important for any business. And each freebie almost stands for some of my areas of expertise. So we have a rate calculator for influencers that is now a literal calculator, which is amazing. And we have some a pitch template for people who are looking to reach out to brands. And the way that I've thought of freebies is really just what's holding someone back? I've never Mm -hmm. reached out to a brand. Here's a free introduction email. I may not give you the entire database of 25 emails. That's a paid product, but I'm going to give you that one thing that's holding you back. And I know that one thing is going to give you a micro transformation. So then you're going to have to come back into my business. Uh Or you're going to realize how, how actually complex some of these things are. Like if you give out a resource or even like a 
like paid price point or free resource, like sometimes you're like, holy moly, I can't believe she gave all this away for free. This is so much. Yeah. I always think about free resources as really useful stuff that leaves them with a few questions for expansion. Mm-hmm. Not questions for clarity. It should be clear, but there should be questions of expansion. For example, we have a free media kit template. Could you hire a designer to make a beautiful one? Yeah. But if you're stuck and you just want the freebie, you can go get that. And then when you look at it and you start filling out information, you're like, how do I get my analytics up? How do I grow my, how do I add this and this and that? How do I get press accolades? And then you kind of come back in and say, wait, I need more from you as a business owner. So leaving people behind with productive questions, right? So that's kind of the freebs. The lower ticket offers are really things that people can DIY themselves. I like to think about it as done for you, do it yourself, done with you. And I'm sure you agree with that. Mm -hmm. And the DIYs are some mini courses for different things that, again, can help people get a little more unstuck. So I collaborated with a platform that really caters to creators built by a management company, and they've built a series of videos on how you can build your influence. So I actually taught classes there on the social part, building community. I also am now going to be making a class that's specifically for the calculator, because again, I can tell you, calculate this. And then you're like, crap, how do I tell a brand why I'm worth this much money? So it's specifically a do-it-yourself masterclass on all things pricing. We did it in November as a live class and it was sold out. Incredible. So I'm excited for it to now live on its own and be there for anyone to access. And then kind of moving up the funnel, I would say that mid-tier or that mid-ticket cost is some of those standalone strategy sessions. And the way I think about middle-of-the-road pricing is things that people maybe just need one-off. They need access to your energy in one moment in time. And that's really more of that done for you, at least for me right now, because I can't really do someone's influence for them. But what I can do is give you a quick content strategy for you to grow, give you some quick tips on how we can build your pitches and your pricing. So those strategy sessions are really actually fun for me. And I used to have, of course, one-on-one coaching, but I've actually completely eliminated it because I love the power hours. It's one moment in time. People hire me for 90 minutes and we crush it. And why I love that is because I feel like when you say, I've got 90 minutes with this person, you take action. Mm -hmm. When you have a series of meetings to fulfill with me, you kind of, it's almost like you're looking forward and saying, I'll start when I get there. Oh, by the time I get halfway, I'll take that thing. No, 90 minutes, I'm going to make you do the scary thing. So that's kind of the middle middle way. And then leads all the way up to the highest ticket price item, which is the mastermind. And the mastermind is the signature influence with impact, the mastermind. And it is really built step zero to step 10 of being an influencer. We go from building through taxes, through LLCs, everything, because I truly do believe, again, you move away from being a content creator that happens to make money to building a business when you start doing all the other stuff. So the mastermind is my favorite place to be. It's group. I love being in group. And we actually just started our last session. We have the highest group we've ever had. And what's fun is now we start, we always start adding again, always experimenting. You can never find me not experimenting. So we started adding co-working sessions where people just hold each other accountable to working together. We have, you know, Q and a calls that are different because I want people to come to a coaching space to really get transformation. So if you're going to ask me about the algorithm, come to my office hours. So these little things, but because of all the access people get to me and my team, it's why they've got the, it's the higher ticket item. Now auxiliary to these things is our kind of specialized services. So 
brand consulting, that's very specialized. It really just depends on what the brand's needs are. I would say these days, I'm mostly actually hired to come in and train teams. So I come in and I train, do corporate trainings on influencer marketing, which for me are really fun because it tells me, like, again, I love empowering people to do their own work. So if I can come in and teach an agency or teach a brand how to be mindful working with influencers, that's a stellar job for me. And then on the flip side, we also started adding talent management as an auxiliary service. And this is really for our clients who, again, as business owners get to the point where they're getting so many brand deals that they just can't handle the load anymore. So they need someone as an extension of their team. So that is my entire company. So much. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You're just like me though. Like it's the same thing. I put everything out. I had a phone call with someone who I knew kind of through social media who like came back around. She's like, oh, I really want your team to run my socials. Like we don't do social unless we did the branding. And if you want to rebrand, like that opens the door. And I I joked with her on the phone. I was like, oh, I got a whole secret menu of services, girl. I got a whole secret menu. I was like, once you're in our circle, like you you can open up all these opportunities. So I made like kind of like a joking reel about it, a TikTok about it the other day, because it's so true. You're constantly evolving. Clients need new things all the time. Services evolve. Your teams evolve. Like just the, 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 you know, advertised offerings aren't usually everything that a business has going on. Exactly. Especially if you're like us. Right. Exactly. And I think it's that's the entrepreneurial thing that, by the way, I never had before. I always said I'm not going to be an entrepreneur and here I am. But the entrepreneur experience is just experimenting. You will not have a perfect plan. And even if you tried to write it, I am so sorry to say it's not going to work because there's no guarantees. So you have to be super adaptable to everything that's going on. Absolutely. Oh, I love this whole conversation. I could talk to you forever, I think. Um, where could everyone find you, follow you, support you? And then I have one last just curious question at the very end. But where can everyone find you, connect with you? We love it. Lisette Calv is my personal account. You can pretty much find everything and everything about me in there from wacky dances to my dog. And then we've got Influence with Impact looking amazing thanks to (laughs) the MKW team. And really in there, it's a lot more specific, I would say, to the influencer space, influencer marketing peeps, person of influence. So if you find yourself listening to this, everyone's welcome. You do not need a certain number of followers to be an influencer. I promise you probably have influence. And we have website for all the things that I mentioned. Yeah. Okay. This is the last question. And it's a curious question that I've been asking on the podcast because I think it's so insightful and it leaves us with a good little cliffhanger for the next time you come on. What's something that you think you do particularly well and what's something you'd like to be better at? Oh, such a great question. So I think that I'm particularly good at articulating my perspective. So I would say that's what even sets me apart is just my perspective on a lot of the things that are going on in our industry. You can Google everything. My perspective is unique and I think I've mastered articulating that. Something I need to be better at is resting and delegating. And what's crazy is that in the corporate world, I had a team of 10 and I was cruising on by, was able to delegate as an entrepreneur, like you said, so many things are just in your brain that it's difficult to delegate. So I need to get so much better at that basic trait of an entrepreneur and finding that balance and that rest. Oh, so true. The delegation part is so key. And it's delegation to the part of, and I think this is the modern take on it, is like delegating in a way that they know what to do before you ask. Yeah, exactly. Creating a team that feels empowered to say, okay, I've done this before. I'm on step one. I already know how to do two, three, four, five, six, seven. 
Yes. And then that's how you really can disconnect from your business and not be in the weeds of everything. It's people feeling like, oh, I got this. And I'm seeing it now with one of our team members who I can just trust. They've got it. And that feeling is so good. So, so nice. I want to get more of those. <laughs> oh, same, same, same. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. See ya. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.